last week on the Nickel and Dime podcast. What you do is you subtract the amount of points that we gave up in all those bloody overtimes. Correct. And then that's how many points we actually gave up. So but, to but me, the points you, know, you scored in the overtime, those stay. Sure, yes. And, and quite honestly, I think we should just skip the nonsense and go to a Rams-Saints NFC title game right now. I'm telling you, the Rams and Saints are on another level. Offensively, I know the defense hadn't been there at times, but mm. the offenses are just, they're going to outscore any team they play until they play each other again. This is something that's been on Stewart's mind for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't attend the press conference yesterday, but I did, or on Sunday, but I did hear you could definitely tell that he had the mood of knowing who he was going to hire. Don't watch for Ohio State to get upset. Don't be watching for Oklahoma to get upset. And most certainly, why would you be watching for Alabama to lose? I know we want it to happen. We thought it would be LSU. We were wrong. And by we, I mean you, because I knew Alabama would run the brakes off of the LSU Tigers. Now here's your host, Tyler Eaton. Until we close our eyes for good Not even 15 minutes later I'm still walking on the street When I saw the shadow of a man creep out of sight Welcome to the season finale of the first season of the Nickel and Dime podcast. I'm Tyler Eaton, joined every week by Harrison Valk, Casey Warner, Natalie Turner is going to be with us with Natural Selection. And Harrison, we usually start the show with WKU football, but nothing going on there. Obviously did not make the conference championship, only went 3-9 and nine this season. Got a new head coach in town, Tyson Helton, and that's basically the only storyline going on there. Not much positive after this season but plenty of signs to show that this team could easily bounce back next year. Definitely, definitely. I mean, looking at, uh, you know, Helton's, uh, you know, resume with uh, him being an offensive coordinator at uh, uh, Tennessee and then, like, his previous work at WKU being the quarterback's coach mm-hmm. for when Brandon Dowdy was here when they were 8-4 and four, and back when also Braun was here as well. And looking at, like, just like that, that experience and then his resume and then, Tennessee may not have had the best offense no. this year. They, yeah, no, that's pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that, no, no, that's true. But they, much had, I mean, up. they had the same issue WKU did. They just didn't have much offensive talent to work with. That's true. But that I think true. this year they're, or well, this upcoming year, they're going to. They got a lot of young guys to get in there. I've told multiple people. I'll tell anybody. Kavaris Thomas needs to be the guy. I saw a poll. I think it was from Red Zone that mm-hmm. might have said, "Who do you want to be the quarterback next year?" And Kavaris Thomas only got like 20% of the vote. I don't know what, I'm sorry. Okay, look, you know, whatever, fine. But come on. Nobody else is as talented as him on this team. I I was thinking either Kavaris Thomas or Steven Duncan. I think either one of those. But Duncan didn't show me much. And neither yeah. did Shanley. I thought Shanley looked better than Duncan. Sh- Shanley will probably be a third. The third. I think it's. If you ask me, if if you had to ask me today, I would either be Kavaris or uh, Duncan. Duncan's probably my top choice because I, I saw more of him that I did see with Kavaris. But I mean, I'm whatever they decide to do. I I mean, if, if it works out. I mean, I'm not going to doubt Tyson because obviously he has experience with high level quarterbacks. But Kavaris has got to be the guy. I mean, six four, two fifty, can move. At 250 fast, pounds, yeah. he's the size of a, a defensive end and can sling the ball all over the field. And Duncan really, like I said, he didn't show me that much. And Shanley didn't show me much either. But I thought Shanley was better than Duncan when Shanley was out there. And now you just see Stephen Duncan over the last two games, the WKU just dominate for some reason. I don't know what happened to him, what got yeah, into him and yeah. kicked him into gear. But I really wasn't impressed with what I saw from him. I, I don't know if it's Kavaris Thomas. It's not a necessity. But for me personally, this is just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. I think the higher rides on it. I think you have to develop him. He's the highest rated recruit the football team has ever had. And you're telling me you're going to start Steven Duncan over him? I mean, come on. You can't do that. That'll be a good topic to cover, especially for, for next year, like when you know when like practice is going on or when the spring game goes on. That'll be interesting to see in April when the spring game goes on to see if he's going to start Kavaris or he's going to start Duncan or just, just to see how those guys play. In general, yep. and then that'll definitely determine who will be starting in the se- in the second or the next, ne- not the second season, the next season. There's not really, right. any, yeah. Um, second season is when our our next nickel and dime season will come. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But for next se- season, like when Tyson is head coach, new schedule, new year, new season, new team, and everything, I think that'll be a, like a question that people will be curious about. Will you start Duncan? Will you start Kavaris? What? Why did you start him? And all that. I think that's going to be really interesting to see the quarterback situation especially. Yeah, we'll find out more on that as we move into the rest of the offseason into next season. This is the Nickel and Dime podcast. We start out every episode by talking about WKU football. We then transition into Kentucky football, the rest of college football, the SEC in particular. 
Then we'll move on to some Heisman stuff typically, but, well, there's already three finalists. It's already been narrowed down to three guys. Harrison's guy, Will Greer, did not make the cut. Harrison, I know you're hurt about that because that oh, okay. that's your man <laughs> right there. But Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins, Oklahoma's Kyler Murray, and, of course, Alabama's Tua Tagovailoa, the three Heisman finalists, they're going to be making a trip up to New York City to see who comes home with the hardware. And Harrison, obviously, we've been going through this all season long. Those three guys have just been on almost every single list, I think. Literally, Tua and yep. Kyler Murray have mm-hmm. definitely been on every list. Yep. Haskins has really emerged over this second half of the season. So right now, if I had to ask you who is going to come home with the Heisman Trophy and why, what would you say? My answer. Drum roll, please. I think it's a pretty obvious. I, I, th- I thought the, the drum roll would just be kind of interesting. But it's Tua Tagovailoa for Alabama. You still think it's Tua? Yes, I do. Ah. I do. And Alabama, since I, they're not since, but they've always been the better team in well, college I mean, football. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's Darn. pretty, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty obvious. Their offense has always been like just almost like near perfection, mm-hmm. almost, or like, or just, just literally with their end. But th- what I've seen with Tua is that just how much he is able to get done in the first half of a game, like just yeah. what his stats are, and it's 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 un- it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I, I I'm also impressed by like Dwayne's and uh, Kyler's stats and like Greer's stats, but that's during the entire game. Tua is able to put those numbers up during the only the that's first true. half of a game. Not only, it, it's okay that he hasn't played like an entire game, but just seeing like how much he has accomplished and what he has done for Alabama just in the first half of the game and just looking at his numbers and his stats and just like seeing how he's able to get the ball down on the field and complete the passes, put those offense on the board, put those points on of the for the offense on the board for Alabama. He's he's the guy. And I think I think he has a very very strong chance of winning. I think he's going to win. See, I don't I don't know cuz I was all in on Tua and oh, now okay. I've looked more into Kyler Murray. Okay. And I I think the Heisman Trophy is sort of a most valuable player kind of thing, right? You yes. give it to the guy who is most valuable to his team. Mhm. You take Tua Tagovailoa away from Alabama. You take him off their roster. I personally think they're still undefeated. Yes, I think Jalen, Jalen Hurts. Hurts would get the job done, and they would be undefeated right now. We saw that in the SEC championship. Game. I was just about to say that. I yes. cannot justify giving the Heisman Trophy to a guy who comes out of his conference championship game. Not just was he injured; he was playing terribly. They, they said the that that was possibly his worst performance. In and gets the job done and wins a conference championship. And they came back. They I can't, came back. I can't give the Heisman Trophy to a guy that does that. I can give it to a guy who, you look at Kyler Murray, you take him away from Oklahoma, they might have three or four losses at the least right now. Yes. We know how bad the defense is. You look at Alabama, their defense is still top-notch. Exactly. All the offense always. is always good. Like you said, they always execute perfectly. Tua has elevated it, which is, you know, that's awesome. Go Tua. But mm-hmm. if you take him away, that team is still probably undefeated. Yes. You take yes. Kyler Murray away from Oklahoma, and even if you take Dwayne Haskins away from Ohio State, both of those teams get significantly worse. There's not a big drop-off from Tua at Alabama. And can you take points away from him for for them having Jalen Hurts? I don't know. I'm not a Heisman voter. Yeah, you know? yeah that is true. I'm a 19-year-old college student our, who our, would love to be a Heisman voter. One our, day. our job is just to analyze the stats and just kind of like talk about it and like discuss right. our opinion. About and it. you want to talk about stats. Kyler Murray right now has the best QBR since college football started tracking it in 2004. The best. Now, the second best in a single season is Tua Tagovailoa this year. So mm-hmm. obviously he's right there. And like you said, a lot of games he's only played three quarters, one half, and whatever. But even in those games, if you take Tua away, would Jalen Hurts be playing in the second half? Probably not. So I don't know. I've kind of I was all in on Tua, like I mm-hmm. said. But Kyler Murray really stands out to me as the most valuable player in college football, or even Josh Allen from Kentucky, just yeah, one National him Defensive too. Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. You take him away from that team. You take Benny Snell away from that team. There are a lot of guys across the country where if you take them away from their team, their team gets significantly worse. And it's how you balance best player with the most valuable player. And heck, if you look at the stats, Kyler Murray might be the best player in college football. Yes. Tua yes, Tagovailoa is the best quarterback in college football. Mm-hmm. He clearly is. He's a guy, when he is eligible for the draft next year, he'll be the number one overall player. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yes. no doubt. No, 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 no. But Kyler Murray, man, I just, I don't know. I cannot pick a guy, just personally, 
that couldn't get the job done in Alabama's biggest game of the season. I, I will say that I know that you that I'm only supposed to pick one just because it's the top three guys. They have announced it. We're gonna watch it right. Saturday night on uh in when they when they're in New York City and they make the announcement. But I would say that even though that I do think uh, Tua is gonna win, if he doesn't, Kyler Murray would immediately be like my my second option. Like I, if I had to pick two, it'd be with them. But mostly just just, just Tua, just from what what I've seen from him. I, I mean, but I've also seen a really really good performance from right. from Kyler. This is uh, this would be a completely unpopular opinion, and, and that one week can totally flip your perspective on a guy. Yeah, that's but true. But that Georgia game, game was by far Alabama's biggest test of the season. Yes, and Tua folded. Yeah, he folded. Not just did he get injured, like I said, he played terribly before he went out. Through two interceptions, mm-hmm. had Only Alabama down from the start. Yeah, I would almost put Kyler and Dwayne Haskins over him. Mm-hmm. I would. I've almost reached that point. I've come to the realization that those two players are the most valuable to their team in the country. It's like when Robert Griffin the third won the Heisman Trophy. And he His was, team wasn't the best. He was the most valuable player to the Baylor team, though. Right, like yeah. Johnny Manziel at Texas A and M. He just made. He, he put the team on his back. And he won games. Kyler Murray has put that team yeah. on his back and has won games, but that's not our decision to make. No. I, no. I wish it was. If nope. it were up to nope. us, well, we'd still have a split decision. We'd just, we'd just love to put a smile on Kyler or Tua's face. Right. We, you, you took yeah. Tua. I took Kyler and Harrison. Uh, thank you for this entire football season and season of Nickel and Dime for keeping oh, us course, up to man. date on all the Always. Heisman hopefuls. Of course, that's not where college football ends with the Heisman Trophy ceremony. There's a college football playoff coming up. We're going to talk to Casey more about that in a second. But before we get Casey in here, Harrison, I'm going to ask Mm -hmm. you for your predictions real quick. Okay. Who do you think comes home with the national championship when the playoffs are done, the dust settles? Who is the national champion in college football this year? Ooh. Look at him. Yeah, no. If anybody, if, if this was TV, people could see my reaction. And my Usna <laughs> shirt. Also, Army-Navy game this weekend. Go Navy, because my brother goes there. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It is tough. It's but tough. But it's, it's tough got, because it's only between two teams, really. Yes, yes. And I've got the two teams that I would like to see. Um, I'm probably going to get... Uh, this is probably the obvious answer, and people are, may or may not agree with it. Some A lot of people probably are going to agree with it. But I would have to say Alabama. Okay. I would have to say Alabama. I mean, just from what we've seen from them, not just this season, but then, or no, just from what we've seen from them. I was about to refer to the past. We're not supposed to do that. But just like how they, just just how Saban, like, just what, just what he does with the team. Mm-hmm. And then just what they do every single game. I mean, it's just, and just, just how, just how, I mean, I, I like, I, you know what I mean. You yeah, know I, mean, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. It's kind of can't it, doubt it, Nick Saban. Basically, to simplify it, they're basically perfect. Almost, it yeah. seems like they they are the best team in college football. Yep. Honestly, I mean, that's how I, that's how I can simplify it's it. It's them and Clemson. I think everyone is I picking think it's Clemson, Clemson to pick Notre or beat mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma could beat Bama. I'm not saying they will, but I'm not saying Alabama's going to roll over them. I get right. that Oklahoma doesn't have any defense. That's fine and dandy, but they've got Kyler Murray. Yes, they and do. And I think especially, hear me out on this, Harrison. Mm-hmm. Especially if Tua wins the Heisman, I think Alabama could very well lose because yes. I think Kyler Murray comes out there with a chip on his shoulder. I think Lincoln Riley is dialing up everything that he's got. He already will, but I, I don't. I mean, you don't want to say that's going to have an effect on a game, mm-hmm. obviously. Right, right. An off the field thing like that. But I think if Kyler doesn't win the Heisman, which, like I said, I think he should, mm-hmm. and I think he thinks that he should. He legitimately thinks that he should be the Heisman Trophy winner. Right. If he doesn't win. I think he comes out there and has the game of his life, and Alabama is they're in for a run for their money. It's mm-hmm. going to be tough. It's not going to be a cakewalk to a national championship. I think Clemson is right there with Alabama. Nick Saban voted them number one in his last coach's poll of the season. We'll see how it all shakes out. Harrison, thank you so much all oh, season course, long. You've man. been here since episode one. Yes. We recorded yes. it in your apartment. Yes. Humble I, beginnings. I, I will always remember that day. <laughs> always. Always. And uh, here we are now. <laughs> We've expanded from two people to four, five, sometimes even six. And one of those people, Casey Warner, about to join us to talk about the rest of the college football world. Just as this season of the Nickel and Dime podcast is over after this episode, 
the college football regular season. It's in the past. It's done. Gone. The conference championships happened last Saturday. Some big games. I think the biggest one was obviously Alabama, Georgia. And how about that tide? How about it? You, how I mean, about Tua him, has the worst game of the season. Oh, yeah. They have to bring in Jalen Hurts after he goes down with an injury. And Alabama still wins. I don't know how you beat this Alabama team. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> it takes a very dumb coaching decision like Kirby Smart made. Yeah, that, that helps. In that fourth quarter. I mean, I don't understand what kind of elite coach. He's he's trying to be an elite coach. Right. Coaching Georgia in the SEC Championship. And you go for it on fourth and 11 on your own half of the field in the SEC Championship game. Tied with Alabama. I mean, I just I don't understand who does that. So well, that, that that win locked up Alabama's number one spot. Right, which, exactly. Even if they lost in that game, it was close enough. They probably somehow slipped yeah. in there. Georgia, at, with two losses, was legitimately talked about as slipping in there at four. They ended up at five ahead Man. of Ohio State. But the final four is Alabama, Clemson there at two, Notre Dame at three, and then Oklahoma comes in at four. Ohio State, one loss Big Ten champs. At six behind Georgia. How do you feel about that? Uh, well, needless to say, everybody's been in an uproar that isn't an <laughs> Oklahoma fan. So, I mean, we just need an eight-team playoff. That's all there is yeah. to it. I mean, there's got to be eight teams. they got to expand it here in the next couple of years, which I would think if people continue to, you know, express their opinion like everyone has, I would think, you know, it's going to – I think it's going to happen in the next couple of years. But uh, UCF staying at number eight. I that's just, ridiculous. I don't understand that. How they, is a two-loss Michigan team ahead of them? That's what I'm saying. I mean, they at least won their <laughs> conference championship, so at least bump them up to seven. Right. I know? mean, that's two two-loss non-conference yeah. champions ahead of an undefeated yeah. conference champion. And, you, you know, you don't want to take last year into account. No. But that's back-to-back undefeated yeah. seasons with conference championships, and you aren't even considered for the playoff. That's no. that's broken. That's no, the only way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, it's definitely broken. And like I said, eight teams needs to happen. Like I've discussed before, I think sixteen would even furthermore be great. Great. Now, as a Kentucky opinion. fan, I feel like you. Oh that. yeah, because I mean, oh, hey, they, they, they'd be in it this 14. year. Yeah. I tell you what, they would be matched up this year with Notre Dame, and oh goodness, they could win that game. Shoot, I don't out of know. all the teams ahead of them to get matched up with in that top four, I think you would want to face Notre Dame. I would. Yeah, I mean. Theoretic or not theoretically? I mean, who, who would you rather? Speaking. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, Clemson, Alabama. I'm, I don't want to play them. I take. No. I'd, I'd face Notre Dame. No, over them. I mean, I would too. They're probably the the most questionable <laughs> team of the top four. So the yeah. thing about Notre Dame is that they really don't have like some just standout strength. No. But when you really break them down, there's not many weaknesses. There. No, exactly. Just They're a just solid, well coached everything. Fo- yeah, yep. well coached football team. But Kentucky coming in at number fourteen in the final rankings. I know you are just ecstatic with that. Oh, yeah. Headed down to Florida, got a nice bowl mm. against Penn State, the Citrus Bowl. That's right. That'll be a fun one to watch. It'll be even more fun to go to if you want to go down there and just have oh, a yeah. you know winter vacation yeah. down there on the beach. But that's a tough Penn State team with Trace oh, McSorley yeah. in there at quarterback. Kentucky, very familiar with James Franklin, the head coach of Penn State. What are your early thoughts on that matchup? So first of all, before we even get to the bowl game, a little shout out to uh, Josh Allen and uh, Mark (laughs) Stoops for getting their respective awards today. Josh Allen, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Well deserved. And Mark Stoops, SEC Coach of the Year. Also well deserved. So I'll go with uh, shout outs for them first. Now wait, hold on. Coach O didn't win Coach of the Year? Oh man. We're going to have to talk about that. He's He's going to be probably not very happy. Yeah, but, but back to the game anyways. Yeah, the game... I'm really excited for that. I think it was good them playing Penn State so Kentucky could have an elite matchup so yeah. they can really show what they're about. You know, we haven't seen Kentucky play an elite team since Georgia, and we know we know what they did against Georgia. They didn't they didn't lay an egg, but they held their own. So in a game like this against another elite football program like Penn State, you're gonna have to do more than hold your own. You're gonna have to compete. This is a bowl game Mark Stoops needs. He's 0-2 now in bowl games. And he needs to show what he's made of in this bowl game because a 10-win season, that'd be amazing. And I said this before he we went on the air. Trace McSorley is the best quarterback they've played all oh, season. Yeah. And it's I'd not because so. he's the best in the country, just because they really haven't faced that tough of competition mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. And we've said this all season long about Kentucky, but I think it really rings true in this game. Terry Wilson is going to have to come to play. Oh, yeah. Or Kentucky's going back with a loss. That's right, man. I mean, he certainly played well against Louisville, which, I mean, there's not much competition there, but it was good to see him toss the ball around like he hasn't since really midway through the season. So, I mean, that was really good to see Terry throwing the ball around good. He's definitely going to have to come to play. You can't win against Penn State putting up 17 to 20 points like they've been winning games. You just can't. So, if they could go out there and put another game offensively up like they did against Louisville, then I think we're in in for a good show on that uh, Citrus Bowl. So, let's break down these college football playoffs the top four as we said Alabama one Clemson two Notre Dame three and Oklahoma 
in there at four. The first matchup we're going to talk about here, that Alabama-Oklahoma matchup. And I think that Georgia game may have shown Oklahoma the recipe to beating Alabama. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if Oklahoma can execute it because you got to pound them on the ground. And Oklahoma, they can run it, but they don't really pound it. They'll get, you know, big 20, 30-yard runs. But if anybody in the country is going to outscore Alabama by himself, it's Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, we know Oklahoma can score the ball. I was going to say, there's going to be a high over-under in that game, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, Rams-Chiefs yeah, over-under coming say, in that yeah. one. And the likes of the uh, Rams-Chiefs ballpark. But, yeah, we're going to see Oklahoma definitely. I think they're going to come out tossing the ball, going deep as much as they can. you got to against the number one team yep. in the nation. I mean, you got to take chances. So, I think Oklahoma is definitely going to push their offense as much as they can. They want to get into that national championship game, upset Alabama. Uh, Alabama, you know, is going to do their thing. But I really think that Alabama is going to use both their quarterbacks almost evenly in this game just because of the fact Jalen Hurts played so well in that second half. And he never really played poorly outside of that national championship game against Georgia last year. And Tua, I think two weeks, Nick Saban said, is the timeline for him. Of course, they're going to be super careful with that. But if he's out... Then Jalen Hurts is right there and ready to go, and you can plug him in, and he'll run the offense pretty well. But this Oklahoma team, for me, kind of reminds me of Johnny Manziel's Texas A&M team. Sure, yeah. No defense, playmakers on the outside, of course. Manziel had Mike Evans to throw to, and you can't guard him at all. Mm -mm. Kyler has Hollywood Brown, and if you haven't heard of him, he might be the fastest receiver in the country. Alabama's got some dudes on the outside. We know that. This defense is filled with five- and four-star recruits. But he can outrun every single one of them. So I think, to your point, if Oklahoma's going to win this game, they're going to have to play to their tempo, which is very, very fast. That's right. And try to, as very much as they can, break this game open early. If they get one stop, that could be enough for this Oklahoma yeah. offense. We've seen that over the course of the season. Oh, yeah, i definitely say so. And, yeah, they're going to have to get big stops on defense. I think this is going to be one of those games like Rams-Chiefs, in essence, where you're going to have to have big plays made on defense. There's going to be a lot of offense going on, a lot of scoring, so a lot of big plays. I don't think by any means either of these teams can shut the other team down. I just don't see that happening. As as elite as Alabama's defense is every year, we saw that Georgia was even able to put up some points on them in the SEC championship, so I just don't think Alabama's going to shut Oklahoma down. I'll be interested to see, is there a spread out on that game yet? Uh, not yet, no. I was going to say, I didn't think there was, but I'd say the spread will probably be, It'll be pretty high. around 10 points in Alabama's favor, I'd say. But uh, even at that, though, I'd expect it to be a 40-30, 40-50, you know, some, some kind of high-scoring game like that. But it's, it's definitely an interesting matchup, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of offense. Of course, we've seen in the past, you know, in the first college football playoff, Alabama was favored to annihilate Ohio State, oh, yeah. and Ohio State ended up winning the national championship. Right. So who knows what will happen in that game. The 2-3 matchup, Notre Dame and Clemson. Clemson has been hot. Did you see where Nick Saban voted them number That's one right. in his last coaches poll? Oh, yeah. Clemson has been very good all season long. Trevor Lawrence in there, a freshman quarterback. He's been excellent. This Notre Dame team, they're undefeated, and it might be the quietest undefeated season of all time. UCF. Nobody really pays it well. <laughs> well, no, UCF gets headlines because it's like, oh, they're undefeated again, yeah, move yeah. them up. Notre Dame is just like, okay, they're undefeated. They put them in the top yeah. four, whatever. And their schedule looked tough coming into the year and ended mm-hmm. up not being all that great. UC, or U, uh, USC was not very good. Florida State, not very good. Right. But nonetheless, they are undefeated. They put Ian Book in at quarterback earlier this season. It's made all the difference And this is the first Notre Dame team in a while that we've seen get it done on both sides of the football. Yeah, I mean, I'm really impressed with Notre Dame. I don't think you or me really saw them getting it this far. Did you at the beginning of the year? Now, listen here. I picked them coming into the year as one of my wild card teams to get in. Okay, So every team that I picked, I got three out of four straight upright, and then one of my wild cards got in. So I did a pretty good job. And the only one I missed was Ohio State. There you so go. I was right there. I yeah, was right there. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. But yeah, I definitely didn't see Notre Dame here. I saw them kind of a middle of the pack, top 25 well, That's what they team. always are. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So I mean, it's definitely good for Notre Dame fans to see their team playing the way they always think their team should. You know, Notre Dame fans always got those big heads, think they're oh, one yeah. of the top programs in the nation. I mean, you know, they haven't been in the national championship since when was it, 2012? Man, that is tough coming from a Kentucky basketball yeah. fan. That is tough. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, I mean, yeah, they haven't been in the national championship, you know, since 2012, I think it was. Yeah. So, the Manti Teo year, of course. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting matchup. Two teams that got a lot to prove. You know, Clemson definitely should be the favorite being the number two, and they've been in this situation the last few years. But, I mean, at the same time, you can expect Notre Dame to come out all guns blazing because they got nothing to lose here. I mean, they have nothing They have nothing that they haven't proven all season. They've proved everybody wrong, and here they are. You know, as much as there's an argument for there to be an eight-team playoff, 
This year, there's almost an equal argument that we could have gone back to the BCS system and had two teams, and it would have been perfectly fine. That's true. Because I think Alabama and Clemson are on another level. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? They could go. They could both go out and lose. You know, I could be proven totally wrong. Sure, sure. But those two teams all season long have set themselves apart. They're the only ones undefeated Power Five conference. We'll throw that in there. Right. Conference champions, Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Their schedule looks a lot better when you look at the names. Really, I think them and UCF should should have been a lot closer together when you yeah. compare oh, two yeah. undefeated teams. UCF, you know, they've got the conference championship. Notre Dame has the win over Michigan, whatever, but so does Ohio yeah. State. And Ohio State just sent them back home crying. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this Notre Dame team, but I do know about this Clemson team. And that defensive line, you don't really like to look between the trenches. You just look at the big-time playmakers. Sure, They've got four NFL draft picks on their defensive oh, line. Yeah. They are tough. And so I think we're trending towards another Clemson-Alabama National Championship game. And if we do, in, do end up there, because, you know, this is season finale, we don't know. So, you know, hopefully we nail this right, and we'll talk about it now. If it's Clemson-Alabama, who wins this time? I'm just going to be honest <laughs> with you, Tyler. If it's Clemson-Alabama, I'm going to be sick. I want to see something different, man. We I got rid that. of the BCS, so we yeah. would not have the same two teams playing every year, and yet here we are with the same two teams oh, playing I almost know. every year. I know. I mean, it just. I mean, it's it's nice, you know, the traditionalists, and of course the fans of both teams love it. They love seeing the and same they, teams And they are the year. two best teams in football. They are. They are. But, I mean, here's where my, you know, my difference in opinion always comes between NFL and college. You know, I think we tend to see the same – 10, 12 teams in college football that compete every year, yep. you know. As to where the NFL, you know, you always got different teams up there in the finals, up in the Super Bowl, rather. That's but I true. Mean, but, I mean, you know, college football, it's evolving. We finally got a playoff, so it's it's moving slower. I mean, if but, the FCS can have a 16-team playoff. That's what I'm saying. What yeah. are we doing? That's what I'm like, saying. Even, even Mike Leach, the craziest guy yeah. in all of football, <laughs> has gotten his hands around the idea that the playoff should be expanded. If Mike Leach can understand yeah. that, I don't know who these decision makers are, but the fact that they can't grasp it mm-hmm. is an issue because clearly it needs to be expanded or they just need to go back. I mean, the, well, the, to go to four teams really has not changed anything no, at all from the previous system. It hasn't, but I mean, what it comes down to, you know, money the, game. All, the almighty dollar. Oh, yeah. The almighty dollar rules it's an it extra all. game. Yeah, and you know, those sponsorships with those bowls and whatnot, you know, the, the tax slayer bowl. Right. The pizza bowl and the Dollar General bowl and the what? Pizza what a, bowl. Yeah, yeah, the Little Caesars pizza bowl, the Champs Sports Bowl. You know all these sponsorship names. Right. They're not even real bowl names anymore. So I mean, you know, it's all about money in the end. So I mean, like we said, you know, progressing slowly here. You know, people are sharing their opinions. So I think the more and more it comes out, they're going to have to expand, just like they did with the fourteen playoffs. So I mean, all in all, no matter who plays in that that final game, comes in Alabama, Notre Dame, and. In uh, Oklahoma, you know, whoever plays in, it's not going to matter. I think we're definitely going to see an expansion here in the next few years. And one thing that you mentioned, just get rid of the conference championship games and then expand from there. If you look at the conference championship results from last weekend, only one team that was favored to win lost. That's right. That's it. And that was in the Mountain West. Like, that's that's fine in the Mountain West. You want to have your conference championship game. Like, it's different in the Power Five conferences or – you know, even in the AAC, they're I think the American is right there in terms of being considered of you know a Power Six conference right, or whatever because right. you know they have most of the teams back from the Big East exactly, yeah. and the Big East never really compared to those other conferences because no. all their best teams left. Yeah, but if you get rid of that conference championship game, you're really not losing too much. All no. your all that is is another opportunity for a team to lose. It's not right. really when you look at especially an Ohio State. What did they gain from that conference championship game? No. They still have a two-loss team that lost in their conference championship mm-hmm. game ahead of them. The conference championship game is really only serving one purpose, and that is, like you said, the almighty dollar. And it, it's yep. just sad. It's just sad yep. to see. Another thing that's sad to see, though, how does Coach O not win SEC Coach of the Year? Ugh. I want to go back to that. That is that is crazy. You know, I think he may have had a few words with the Associated Press <laughs> and, uh, and, and among his likings, you know, of his jambalaya and whatnot. Uh-huh. And, you know... They may have been listening to the Nickel and Dime podcast, and I don't think they were too happy with the uh, the selfishness and uh, conceitedness of Coach O last week. You know, because he denied that loss. I mean, he's declared a lot of stuff. Yeah, he, he basically has. has said that he controls all of college football. Right. I don't know if he had control of this, but no. he will be in a New Year's Six bowl game taking right. on undefeated UCF, yep. who we just talked about. We'll get Coach O in here to hear his opinion on that and how he ended up losing SEC Coach of the Year right after this. 
I control the whole bayou. He is Harry's Heisman hopefuls. He is the number one candidate. He should be the only Heisman candidate for the rest of the year. Give him the trophy now, Tyler. That Tua Tagga backpack, Tagga whatever his name is, he's not even in the conversation. Nick Brousset has got it sewn up, Tyler. You better believe it. All five of your Harry's, Harry's Heisman hopefuls are going to be Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, and guess who? Nick Brousset. LSU is going to win every game I say they're going to win this year. I control the whole Bayou, and I control the whole south. I control Alabama next week because we got that victory already mapped out. I am the greatest podcast person in the world and I make my way onto every podcast that discusses the LSU Tigers. From the heart of Cajun country and the soul of America, it's the man in charge from the Atlantic to the Mississippi. Fresh off a hot bowl of jambalaya, here's the head coach of the Bayou, Ed Orgeron. All right, Tyler, so I'll tell you what. You know what month of the year it is? I think it's December. It's December. And you know what happens in December, don't you? Uh, Christmas. That's right. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So you know what that means for the Tigers? What does it mean, Coach? It means another 10-win season, another victory, and another great meal full of jambalaya. You know, I'm just happy to be on again, happy to be on here for the finale, and just happy to see that we play those undefeated stinkers, them UCF Knights, because let me tell you, Tyler, they got nothing on the Tigers. Go Tigers, as in G-E-A-U-X. You know how we do it on the Bayou. Go Tigers all the way. We're getting this ball victory. Ten-win season already sealed up. Coach, have you even even seen UCF play this year? No, I I don't care to. You know what, Tyler? We don't even watch film anymore at all. We, We haven't watch film since week seven you know why you know why Tyler I'm not sure but you've lost a few games since then so well, you might want to take that back up well as you know that last loss didn't count but I, well but okay. but so look we don't watch film anymore we just put it all in the hands of Nick Brousset because like I said he ran for 700 yards in our last game and he's gonna run for a thousand you know game. you said he was gonna win the Heisman you declared it and he's not even a finalist I, you know what the Associated Press does not get along with me. I, I was I was telling my friend Casey that the other the other day, and he may he may have mentioned that to you earlier on the show. But me and the Associated Press, we just don't see eye to eye because I have my own ideals and they have theirs. And like I said, you you know I control the whole bayou and I control college football. So if I say Nick Brousset wins the Heisman, he wins the Heisman, and it doesn't matter what the Associated Poop says or whatever they are. So is he going to get a trophy or just? He's going to know that you well, said he wasn't the highest. Well, let me tell you, he's going to get something even better than that. He's going to get a fresh bowl of Coach Ed Orgeron's world-famous jambalaya. You make your own jambalaya? Oh, yes. I, I was wow. just holding that in this whole time. You know, the, the jambalaya you give me is good. You, typical recipe, typical Cajun recipe. But mine, it's it's just got that TLC in it. You know what TLC is? What is it, Coach? Tender, loving care. It's tender, loving care because I just put my bayouness all in it and I put my, you know, just amazing cooking ability because I'm just a bayou boy. And and I just do it all, Tyler. I do it all. Coach, I think you need to give the AP some TLC because somehow you were robbed of SEC Coach of the Year. I don't understand it. <sighs> Nick Brousette didn't even win Offensive Player of the Year. Something is up with that relationship. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, we just, like I said, we don't see eye to eye. We clearly have different views on different awards and whatnot. You know, who was that guy that won Coach of the Year? Mark Poops, was that his name? It's Mark Stoops yeah, from okay. Kentucky. Well, whatever, you know I don't what? think your friend Casey would appreciate he, that. He probably wouldn't, but he's he's not here right now, and that doesn't matter. So sure. so all it comes down to is what awards I won. I get Coach of the Year every year in my eyes. So I mean, yeah, Does you LSU know, give you a trophy that says LSU Coach of the Year? No. Does that see, make you feel better? See, look, I hold myself to a higher standard in that okay. aspect because when I give myself my own awards, I just know I'm going to get Do it. Do you have so. an entire award ceremony for this? Kind of like the Dundies on the office? Yes, actually. You know what? We're, we're actually going to the Chili's on campus down here right after this. You so, brought the whole team up here to Bowling yeah, they're down there waiting in their buses right now, right outside I'm of I'm surprised Chili's. nobody has seen them. That is amazing that you are that good at hiding your entire team. I mean, we, we just did a good job. We, we put them in just typical yellow school buses so nobody would notice, but, but you know. Coach, you are a lot smarter than I myself and the Associated Press and everyone else give you credit for. You're showing me a lot today. A lot. Hey, what can I say? I said it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'm just feeling myself today, Tyler, and it is a great day to be a Bayou Tiger. Well, Coach, I'm glad you came by one more time. This is the season finale 
of the Nickel and Dime podcast. So you do, do you have any final thoughts overall on your team? Are you satisfied with the season? I know the goal is a national championship, but Coach, give us a parting thought here on your last appearance for this season of the Nickel and Dime podcast. So so parting thoughts, of course. LSU is going to be 10-3. and three. That That's good. That's a double-digit win season. Another double-digit win season for the Tigers. So, of course, everybody knows LSU is the best football program in the nation. In the nation. So I'll leave you with that right there. Everybody already knew that. I knew that. So that, that's just a common fact. I will go ahead and say to the Nickel and Dime podcast is the greatest podcast in the country. The greatest. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise because I'm on it for number one. And Tyler Eaton and Casey Warner, Harrison Vaughn, you know, Natalie, everybody that's been on. Junie, you know, all of them. They're just great people. Great, solid people. They're all doing their thing. Great podcasters. You know, they're just, they're only going to continue to go up from here. Um, and, you know, what else can I say? You know, I control the whole bayou. Coach, that was the sweetest thing that you yes. ever said to me. I appreciate you coming in, dealing with me every week. One last time, Coach, thank you for joining us on the Nickel and Dime Podcast. Of course, of course. My pleasure. As we've mentioned a few times over the course of this episode of the Nickel and Dime podcast, this is the season finale of season one of the Nickel and Dime podcast. And for those of you that have stuck around the entire time through episode one, thank you. I know it was hard at times. Of course, as we progressed, we've gotten to be in studio. We've had access to more and more music, more and more technology, and the podcast has improved as we've gone on. But that's not going to stop us from taking a moment to look back at the humble beginnings of of the Nickel and Dime podcast. And of course, we've kind of gotten into a rhythm of going college football natural selection, throwing in the Heisman hopefuls as well in there, and then moving on to the NFL. But this week, we thought it would be nice to use this back 20, 25 minutes to look back on the evolution that has taken place here with the Nickel and Dime podcast. Of course, we owe a lot of that, if not all of it, to Revolution 91.7 for allowing us to record in studio we can throw in all these fancy effects. We can have Coach O come in because he's not going to go to Harrison's apartment. Why would he do that? He's been showing up. And, of course, having everybody join us on the show last week, our first really big-time guest, play-by-play announcer for WKU women's basketball, Brett Williams. It was fantastic to have Brett on. We've been te- texting back and forth about his Redskins ever since, and you know everything's been going wrong with them. If we were to talk about NFL this week, something would be said about the Redskins losing all their quarterbacks. But... Something that we haven't lost here at the Nickel and Dime podcast is Harrison Valk and myself. We've been here since day one. We started this podcast. So in honor of that, we're going to throw it back to episode one. That's right. The very first episode of the Nickel and Dime podcast back in September. We recorded it on my phone in Harrison's apartment. So bear with the audio, but we're going to throw it all the way back to the first episode of Nickel and Dime. This here, episode 13, the season finale Let's take a look back. Welcome everyone to the initial edition of the Nickel and Dime podcast. I'm Tyler Eaton. I'm joined by Harrison Valk in Harrison's apartment, starting out small, looking to grow up bigger. This is the Nickel and Dime podcast. As I said, it is a sports-centric podcast. That is what we both have a very large passion for, most of it revolving around the area. You're going to hear a lot of SEC football, a lot of NFL we're going to throw in some fantasy football. football. Lots of football. Harrison, yeah. in your first year of fantasy football, we're going to talk about it a yes. bit. We yes. are in the same division in our fantasy football <laughs> league, but we are super excited to get this going. It has been in the works for a very long time. This is exactly where we want to be. We're doing what we love, which lets you know that we know a bit of what we're talking about. Like We study this not just to be on the podcast, but we watch this stuff. We read this stuff in our free time just because... Sports, that's our passion. It's fun research. It is. It's it's something that we love to do. And when you love to do it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. Harrison said it best. Since episode one, of course, that was just recorded on a phone. The next week we headed in studio and we were able to do a little bit more, including the first edition of Natural Selection. Of course, Natalie, the station manager here at Revolution 91.7, granted us access to the studio. We were like, hey, you know what? You want to come on? We've got this segment idea that we weren't able to do before. 
It involves you not knowing anything about sports. And of course, as someone that knows absolutely nothing about sports, Natalie was all in on it. Thankfully, the segment has stuck ever since. Natural Selection, here's the first ever segment of Natural Selection. It's time for a new segment that is probably the complete opposite from Harry's Heisman hopefuls because in that segment, Harry does a lot of research trying to get good stats and information on his guys. This is the complete opposite. So this is going to be titled Natural Selection. This week we have in Miss Natalie Turner, who has allowed us to come in here from Revolution 91.7 and record in the studio. And she's here mostly because she knows absolutely nothing about sports. And that is the qualification for this. So what I am going to do is give Natalie five games and for those five games, she's just going to pick the winner strictly off of the mascot. That is all the info she gets. She gets no record, no ranking, no nothing. She just gets the two mascots. So, That's Natalie. all I need, man. Are you all ready? I'm ready. All right. First game, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors versus the Army Black Knights. So, I, I definitely know nothing about either of these teams, but uh, I do. I am actually an apprentice swordsman, so I'm using the fact that they're knights you know, I do have some expertise in knighthood. So I feel like the knights are clearly trained. I mean, they made it to (laughs) knighthood. You know, they know something of what they're doing, right? The warriors, though, a warrior's a little bit more ambiguous, you know? Like, all you kind of do is they could just be beating people with sticks. Right. But a knight, he's got, like, a long sword. He's got, like, (laughs) he's got, like, a, like, a, like, a messer or something. Like, he knows what he's about. So, I gotta say, army black knights, and an army, too? Yeah, it's an an entire army army of black knights. So, as powerful as the rainbow is, I kind of think the knights got this one. Okay, so game one, Nat's got the black knights. Game two, though, the Arizona State Sun Devils versus the San Diego State Aztecs. All right, so they're both state. Yes. Um, I think a Sun Devil is a pretty cool name, and like I would not be opposed to naming something a Sun Devil <laughs> in general. But I think Aztecs are qualified to like deal with devils. I mean, you know, I am not an expert on Aztec culture, but they did all kinds of like rituals for the gods and whatnot. And I feel like when you're dealing with religious aspects, you know, if you have rights of sacrifice to gain favor with the gods, I think you can probably, you know, get rid of some devils. So I got to go with the Aztecs. So you're taking having favor to the sun gods to get rid of the sun devils is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so she's got the Aztecs in that one over the sun devils. Next up, the Campbell Fighting Camels versus the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Um, Which, to clarify, a Chanticleer is a rooster primarily found in fairy tales. A Chanticleer. I've never heard of that in my life. Um, One question I have, Campbell fighting camels? That kind of makes it sound like the camels are fighting Campbell. You know, like this is a Campbell fighting camel. No, it's just a camel that's trained to fight. Okay. Well, fighting camel, I mean... It, there's no indication that the Chanticleers have any training whatsoever. But, but they are from fairy tales. These are fairy roosters. I mean, that's true, but like a fairy rooster versus a real hard-ass camel? Like, I'm sorry. Camel's got this. And there are those pesky fairy roosters. That's where it all started, Natalie's personal rivalry with the fairy roosters, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. And you still hear the mic quality not quite to where we want it to be. And, of course, now... We're sounding pretty good, and it's because at that point we weren't in the podcast bunker yet. We were in a studio across the way. Episode 3, we made it into the bunker. And of course, you hear how beautiful we sound now. We owe that to Natalie as well. We appreciate it so very much. But to take another trip back to Harrison's apartment, Episode 1, a lot of stuff to digest there, including the very first time that I mentioned my doubt of the LSU Tigers and what would bud into one of the best storylines on our show Me versus the LSU Tigers. I've doubted them all year long. And this right here is where it started. Probably the most impressive win and maybe the most shocking win was LSU's win over Miami. Oh, my goodness. That that was impressive. That was impressive. I did not expect that from LSU. I thought for sure Miami would win that game. I mean, for the Herald, I picked Miami. So they made me look a little foolish. Um... LSU, just their defense is so good again, and it seems like every year they come out there with a really good defense. But this year it seems to be on another level because their defense won that game. And that Miami offense is no joke. 
Mm-hmm. They they've got a great quarterback. They've got talent everywhere. Mark Richt has turned that school around. You know, yeah, all exactly. credit to him yeah, for yeah. coming to Miami and turning them what they turning them into well what they Georgia, are now. And he's also doing well at Miami, Miami right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's done a fantastic job. But he's a great coach. Go yeah. back to coaches again. Right. I mean, it seems like the one common theme <laughs> with these schools is the coaching. But that defense won LSU the game. They still don't really have the answer at quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow, he transferred in from Ohio State. He didn't look great, but Nick Brissett at running back, he had 125 yards and two touchdowns. He looked good. We know LSU usually has good mm-hmm. running backs. Right, right. I'm not convinced, though. I know it was a big win. Burrow was supposed to come in for LSU and Coach O and you know be the answer there at quarterback. I don't know, though. I mean, they looked fantastic, and they're probably going to shoot up to probably the top 15 yeah, in the definitely. rankings. I would say they're going to be in the top 15 because that's a huge win over a really good Miami team. But I don't know. I don't think that they will be able to go too far just mm-hmm. because of the fact that they're in a division with Alabama and Auburn. You know, technically I was right. LSU was never a legitimate contender in the SEC West. They couldn't get over Alabama now, Auburn and Mississippi State. We're not, we're not going to talk about that. We'll leave them out of the equation. But my doubt of LSU and my continued questioning of their ability to compete, well, it, it rubbed one guy the wrong way, and that guy just so happened to be the head man himself of the LSU Tigers, Coach O, the self-professed king of the bayou, the coach of the bayou, and he was so fed up that he made his way onto the show. Casey mentioned his name once, and I guess somehow he heard it, and kind of like Beetlejuice, we mentioned him one too many times, and he wandered on into the podcast bunker, and what happened next was magic. Let me tell you about a Heisman candidate, Tyler. Nick Brusette came out there the other night, and he ran for not 57, but 570 yards on the ground. We gave it to him 60 times a game like I was telling you we would, and we came out with the victory because Nick Brusette just kicked absolute booty. Ed, how did you How did you get in here? How do you keep showing up on this show? Let me tell you something. When you're in the South, anything below Kentucky, I cover the South, brother, so... Ed Orgeron, Coach Ed Orgeron is everywhere, baby. But we're in Kentucky. We're not below it. How do you keep getting any... And how do you keep bringing this music with you? What is this? It turns out I am the greatest podcast person in the world, and I make my way onto every podcast that discusses the LSU Tigers. You have never been on one podcast before this. I looked it up after the last one because I was so confused as to how you ended up here. It's because I kept it hit away from you, Tyler. <laughs> I didn't want you to hear my podcast. You always mess me up. Uh, how do I always you don't mess believe, you up? You don't believe in the Bayou, Tyler. You don't. You're, you know what? You're right. I will give you that, but it's because you guys don't have any offense. Brissett did not run for 500 whatever yards. He ran for 57, and you guys only won because Mississippi State is just a crap hole. He ran for however many yards. I <laughs> okay, said he ran. Okay. He's the best running back in the country, and he locked up that Heisman Trophy this weekend. Last weekend, you thought he had it locked up. Well, he really did. I was talking to the Associated Press this past weekend, and they said they're going to hand him the trophy at the end of the year. It's already sewn up. That two attack of back back tiger whatever his name is he's not even in the conversation nick brusette has got it sewn up tyler you better believe it do you not realize that you still have to play tua and alabama doesn't matter we already got the victory how did you're on a bye week this week are you not supposed to be preparing for that game against the number one team in the country don't have to i control the whole bayou and i control the whole south i control alabama next week because we got that victory already mapped out tyler are you telling me that you control the results of all the games in the south that's right i've been picking kentucky to win this whole year because my best pal my best pal casey just happens to be a big kentucky fan so i have kentucky win almost every game i had to give them a loss against texas a&m but lsu is going to win every game i say they're going to win this year you know pete rose did something like that and he's now banned from the sport of baseball but he didn't control the bayou okay wait now wait a second you lost to florida did you pick against yourself well, you see, what happened that game was the Gator. The Gators just—they were very intimidating. And I tell you what, there's not there's not a mascot like the Gator like that. And you, you always got to respect Gators down in the Bayou. So, so I gave them a little bit too much respect on that, and, and somehow we lost. But, but trust me, Tyler, we'll be in the playoff at the end of the year. We'll beat Alabama, and and we got that victory. Just know that. All right, thank you, Coach O. Oh, no problem. Every week, Tyler. LSU, as a matter of fact, would not pick up that win down in the swamp against the Florida Gators, but the real winners in all of this were us here at the Nickel and Dime Podcast. Coach O decided, you know what? 
I kind of like these guys. And even if he didn't like us, he just liked having somebody to talk to about his LSU Tigers. He signed a contract for two bowls of jambalaya and appearance, and he was set to be with us for the rest of the season. Me and Coach O, we'd go back and forth every single week about his LSU Tigers until one thing brought us together. LSU had just had a heartbreaking loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Coach O was as cocky as ever, as confident as he had ever been in his LSU Tigers heading into that game. But the loss really humbled him, and for just one simple, sweet, beautiful moment, me and Coach O bonded in what was one of the greatest moments of this first season. I mean, Coach, if there's anything you want to take away from it, you're still in the top 10 of the playoff rankings. I'm sure you're pretty happy with that. A, a yeah. pretty easy schedule left to go, so you could you could very easily play in one of those New Year's Six Bowl games. You know, we, we can regroup, and I'm, I'm fine and dandy with all that stuff. You know, that's great. Whatever the media wants to represent us as is six or 600, that's fine. I don't care. None of that matters to me. What matters is winning every game. And gosh darn it, we did not get that done this Saturday. See, you're getting me riled up now, Tyler, and I'm just very unhappy with the whole circumstance. I really just made a fool out of myself over the past couple weeks, and, and I'm really feeling it now. So that's 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 why I'm just sticking to eating my jambalaya. Goodness. Uh, but, I mean, it's not your fault. You had been on a roll. Uh, you know, I'll grant you that. Some big wins coming in. Your team had really seemed to kicked it into another gear. And I'm, if anybody was going to beat Bama this season, it seemed like it would be you all. It's just... You know, Bama's just on another level this year, and, you know, you can't help that. That's nothing to do with your coaching abilities. It's not a knock on you at all. This is just a uh, a really good Alabama team. You know what, Tyler? You know what? You're just you're – really, you're really pulling at my heartstrings right now because I knew that we were the best team in the South. I knew it. I knew it going into this game, and I believed it with everything in my heart. I firmly believed it, and it just got ripped out of me. Ripped out of me this Saturday. I was so distraught we put up a goose egg on national TV in front of everybody against the number one team in the nation. We totally just did not come to play. And you know what? Gosh darn it. I just, I can't really say much more about this game because my blood pressure pressure is rising by the second right now. I don't know if that's, you know, what's going on or the fact that you might have the highest cholesterol in all of America from how much jambalaya you've eaten over the past few days. You know what? But my soul feels good. Oh, and that's all okay. that matters because the Bayou soul is what makes a great person. And you don't want to talk about this game anymore. I understand it. We're going to look no. forward. We'll look at the rest of the schedule. I said earlier, it's pretty easy. Not the toughest slate ahead sure, for you. Sure. you got Arkansas this next week and you finish the season at A&M. So, Coach, how are, you, how are you looking to rebound from this loss and just try to finish off the season as strong as possible? Well, I'll tell you what, what pig suey, pig suey, pig suey, you, whatever they say over there in Arkansas, we're having us some pork for dinner Saturday. That's all I'm saying, buddy. We're going to go out there and we're going to take all our frustration out on them Razorbacks. You know what? Them pigs, I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. They got, what, one, negative one wins on the season? I don't even know. I haven't even kept up with them. But you know what? We're just going to take out all that frustration. You know what? We're going to have jambalaya for the whole team on Friday before that game. Jambalaya for the whole team. And we're just going to go out and wreak havoc on those Razorbacks. Okay, coach, I appreciate you having the courage to come back on the show and just address what you'd said in the past and you, just for you showing up. I think I think we can find it in our hearts to give you an extra bowl of jambalaya added on to the two that are in your contract for your appearances, Coach. And with that, the hatchet was buried. Me and Coach O were on good terms. He had his jambalaya, and, well, I didn't really have anything to show for it, but I do appreciate him coming on the show each and every week. But one thing that I really don't appreciate, in fact, I have quite a disdain for, and you've learned that over the course of the season, is the New York Giants, and you may be wondering, Tyler, where did that stem? Why do you just not like the New York Giants? Do you like Stephen A. Smith? Do you just hate a team to hate him? Well, you know, I don't have anything against Giants fans like Stephen A. does with Cowboys fans. I just have a personal gripe with the Giants, and as you'll learn from this next clip, it all stems from my fantasy team. Yes, I'm one of those guys. I take my fantasy team very seriously. I personally root for all my players, except for in this case when you're Odell Beckham Jr., and you play for the New York Giants, and you're, you're, well, you got a pretty easy path to getting me a victory, not only in any fantasy game, but in a fantasy matchup early season against Harrison. And you go out there, and well, you'll hear what he did in this clip right here, and you'll learn very easily why I have such just a hatred for the New York football Giants. Okay, so now it's time for you all to figure out why it is that Harrison has been bugging me so much about my fantasy team. <laughs> Quite simply, Harrison, 
we uh, we matched up this week, didn't we, in fantasy? And uh, who won? Well, you did. Harrison uh, <laughs> Harrison beat me, and I'm not very happy about it at all. You're gonna figure out why right now, actually. Uh, so basically, it came down to the the Sunday night football game between the Giants and the Cowboys. I was mm-hmm. down by 15. It was about 17 somewhere in there, and I'm As- like, okay, I've got OBJ left. This dude has got this. This Cowboys secondary is terrible. They're, they've been terrible for a while now. They just don't have anybody back there. And OBJ comes out there and puts up a solid nine points. Nine. Bilal Powell by himself had 19. I have Bilal Powell too. Yeah, yeah he had 19. Yeah, yeah he yeah, outscored yeah, yeah. David Johnson only and ran Odell like, Beckham what, Jr. Six yards? David Johnson? He, he tried it. He ran for 48 yards. He had six points. And this all comes down to this. I watched that Giants-Cowboys game, okay? Mm -hmm. I watched it, and I was really getting into it. I was cheering so hard for Odell Beckham Jr. and the Giants. And at this point, I can tell you, I am now a fan of every team that the Giants play for the rest of the season. (laughs) I am just anti-Giants. Here's why. Including three of the the other three teams in the NFC. Yes, I am an an NFC East fan sans Giants, okay? Here's why. I watched that game. The Giants were down 20-3 to in that game with five minutes left. They've got the ball, right? Mm-hmm. I watched them waste four minutes driving down the field, dinking it, dunking it. Oh, Saquon Barkley's open three yards from the line of scrimmage? Sure. Just dump it off to him, Eli. You got him. And then you've got, oh, there's Evan Ingram five yards on a drag route. I'll give it to him. Just wasting the clock. Down 17 points. OBJ is the best dink and dunk receiver in football. Why? 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 Would, why do you think they paid him? Made him the highest paid. He is the highest paid yeah. receiver in football. You're down by it, 17 points, and it, you're not going to throw him the ball. It, it did not look like that on Sunday night. I can tell you that. Saquon Barkley, Harrison, 14 catches for 80 yards. OBJ four catches for 51. OBJ had four catches. If you're an offensive coordinator, or the play caller in this case, who is the head coach Pat Shermer for the Giants and you can't get OBJ the ball more than four times, and you are paying him more than any other wide receiver in the NFL, and you get him the ball four times in a game where you're trailing the entire game, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong, or Eli Manning's doing something wrong. Apparently the Giants are all of a sudden doing something right. They've won three out of their last four games. Now, you know I'm not going to give the Giants credit for anything. So when you break it down, one of those games against the 49ers, another one of those games against the Buccaneers, one of those against the Bears, but the Bears didn't have Mitchell Trubisky. And then the loss in there against the struggling Eagles, heck, Alabama could have won two of those games. That's right, I said it. Giants fans, I'm sorry. There is no way I can give your team credit for anything. I don't care if you've won four games this season, three out of the last four, whatever. You could win out and finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Heck, win your division and make the playoffs, and you are still the worst team in the NFL, Giants fans. That conflict, unlike mine with Coach O, that's not getting resolved anytime soon. And another conflict that's not getting resolved anytime soon, Harrison seems to have a bit of an issue with when we pick on him about his Super Bowl pick. And that that brings us to the last throwback that we're going to do for the season. This one much worth the throwback. Harrison, all the way back in Episode 1, one last trip back to the crappy audio in Harrison's apartment. He picked his Super Bowl picks, and, uh, well, I picked the Chargers and the Rams, so one of mine looking really good, the other one not too shabby. Harrison, on the other hand, well, I'll let his picks speak for themselves, and just a little hint, neither team is anywhere near the playoff picture, just like none of us here at the Nickel and Dime podcast are anywhere near letting him live these picks down. AFC West, I'm going to go with Oakland. Oakland, okay. Yeah, Oakland, yeah. Okay. yeah you got, he's yeah. a Gruden believer. Yeah, they. I, I really liked what I saw from Derek Carr mm-hmm. last year. I think he definitely helped Oakland get to where they want to go. And I think we're. I think we're probably going to see it again okay. this year. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even mind probably getting Derek Carr on my fantasy team either. Now, okay. do you have a Super Bowl prediction? Early season, early on. No strings attached. An early season Super Bowl prediction. You gotta say the Eagles. Okay. Again, as I said earlier, I I like what Derek Carr has done. Obviously, he's not the only one that's gonna that's gonna help them get to where to get them to where they need to go. 
But definitely, I'm going to... Yeah, I, yeah, I think it'll be the Raiders and the Eagles. Maybe the Raiders won't... I don't think the Raiders will win. I don't know too much about their offense other than with Marshawn Lynch and Derek Carr. But I think maybe the... I think the the Eagles will pull off a win. Okay. I, that sounds like very like absurd and like out of the ordinary, but it's only it's it hasn't started yet. Well, I mean, we, the season yeah. has not officially no, started. No, no, no. Yet. it's not Thursday. Yet, no team so. has played a regular season game right. as of this recording. Only the preseason. Unfortunately for Harrison, both of those teams had to play in the regular season, and well, it didn't quite go so well once they got out of the preseason. Particularly, Harrison's Oakland Raiders two and ten so far on the season. That's right, two and ten. That was Harrison's Super Bowl pick. You know, every week we give ourselves a platform to make some hot takes like that. Looking back, that might have been the coldest take of them all. So if I had a trophy to give Harrison, he gets the coldest take. But I've had a few myself, and most of those come on the What Not to Watch For segment. And of course, what other way to end the last episode of the season than with, you guessed it, What Not to Watch For. episode of the nickel and dime podcast the same way that we've ended every single episode since day one for this season harrison what not to watch for yes i will bestow the honor of going first upon you so give us what not to watch for either this weekend or over the break or whatever you got well, I literally just pulled up my phone just to look for uh, a game for this week. Didn't ha- didn't really look for any for the rest of the break. I'll probably come around. But I think you're going to like this one. My what not to watch for is the Giants at the Redskins. Oh, my goodness. That is going to be a crapshoot. <laughs> yes, it sorry, is. Brett. Brett. I'm sorry, Brett. Brett, if you're listening, I'm so sorry I, if you made I'm, it this far. We apologize. I'm, I'm sorry. And after, you know, you, you, we, we, and you and I've heard you talk about this, too. The Giants are... The worst the team. The Giants are the worst team, team. in the NFL. NFL. And I, if you ask me, the worst division in the NFL right now is the NFC East. I haven't seen I haven't seen anything. Like it's just they're they're terrible. When it's your best team is the Cowboys, you stink. Yes, exactly. You stink. Yes. Now, the Redskins granted have no quarterbacks left besides Mark Sanchez. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. that just it hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts me. And I think I think um Brett sent me this thing about he sent me this whole list of stats about the Redskins because he was just really, really into this whole, you know, the injury thing. He was really upset. He's the our Re- go to guy for the yeah. Redskins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Redskins <laughs> have not won at least eleven games now this oh, year clinched goodness. it for twenty seven straight years. Twenty seven years in a row they've won less than eleven games. So my what not to watch for could easily be don't watch for the Redskins to break that streak. <laughs> but um, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, my what not to watch for, uh, I've got to go back to my number one team to pick on, the oh, LSU okay. Tigers. Oh. Don't watch for UCF to lose. They- the streak continues. <laughs> they are going to beat LSU back-to-back <laughs> New Year's Six Bowl wins over overrated SEC West teams, UCF undefeated back-to-back seasons. Put them in the college football playoffs already. They deserve it. I don't care if they've got a backup quarterback in. I don't care if Harrison's playing quarterback for them. Undefeated (laughs) back-to-back season conference champs. Put the UCF Knights in the college football playoffs next year. I don't care if they go 0-12 next year. Put them in because you're ripping them off. They're going to beat LSU, and they're going to beat them, Harrison, by at least two Touchdowns. Hey, hey, maybe another like seven overtime win. No, <laughs> no, no. They are sending Coach O back to the Bayou, crying his eyes out. Drenched in Gatorade for an hour, and they think he's going. Yeah, they're going to drench him in Gatorade right before the game. It'll be like uh, you know, marking him down in Sharpie right before the game starts, and they'll take that L. But That's Harrison, another thing not to watch for: a nickel and dime episode next week, or the week after that, or the week after that, because we're going on winter break. We deserve it. I think we. I think we've earned this break. This little. Rest. I d- yeah. I. I. I totally. I totally agree with you. It's been a very. I will say this that it has been 
very, very fun doing this, yeah. starting this podcast with you, getting in here every week just to talk about Heisman or sports or whatever, the people that we've gotten to join or the, the people that have come to join and that's us. that's been the best part. Guests. Yes, yes. And a little shout out to all the people that have like listened and like helped us out with this and just... If you've, if you've listened and if you're listening and when you and you're listening now and thank you thank you for listening. Yeah, I mean we we wouldn't have any motivation to keep this going if we didn't have no. listeners and we get to look nope. every week and see how many people are listening. By the way, we know how many of you are listening. So if you say you're listening and you're not, we notice. But if you say you, know. you are and you do, we very much appreciate yes, it. Yes, thank you. Once again, this is the Nickel and Dime podcast. This is the season finale for season Uno. Season knows. We'll see what goes down there. Yes. We, we, yep. we got some stuff in the works for you, but for now, I am Tyler Eaton. That's Harrison Vaughn. This is the Nickel and Dime podcast, and there's no other way to end the season finale than a good old Michael Scott quote. So for now, we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Celebrate every day like a birthday. Good things come to those that wait up.